0: Good morning, and so glad that you are here. Uh, Thanks for coming to worship with us today. And so, uh, if you're a guest, we want to connect with you, and we can do that in one of a couple ways. First, there's a card in the pew back in front of you. Uh, If you would fill that out, and at the end of service, there will be an opportunity uh, as we take up the offering, as we leave, you can leave that in the offering plate, and it's a way for us to know who's worshiping with us today. Or you can go to our website, sbcr.org, and there's a button that says, I'm new you can click that button and fill that information out, and it's a way for us to know who's with us and, and worshiping with us today. How we might be able to um, serve you uh, in some way, and so I uh, want to make you aware of a couple things that are happening, some things that are coming coming up. Uh, first of all, uh, this Wednesday we resume back with our Bible study with the pastor. February was canceled because of the pesky weather, right? So um, we resume. This Wednesday uh, nine thirty. 30 uh, usually have some kind of finger food something uh, we meet in the reception hall uh, and that's for anybody that's welcome we're walking through the book of Revelation and studying that and so love to have you join us also uh, on the 6th the young at heart group are taking a trip to Y Mountain uh, to see the daffodils and have, have a fun day together and so um, Steve Sharon Overton are leading that and so uh, if you'll get with them um, and, and get some information re- with regard to that, they'd love to have you be a part of that. Um, a lot of different things that are happening. Uh, Sunday nights, we are. Uh, I'm leading a, a time of instruction about. Uh, it's called Three Circles, just a way to help you share your faith. It's to help you turn everyday go- uh, everyday conversations into gospel conversations. And so that happens uh, um, Sunday nights at 5 o'clock. And so we'd love to have you come join us. We've been going a couple weeks, but uh, you can jump in anywhere um, and, and bring the kids too. The kids enjoy it. Uh, it. It's a good time. And so love for you to be a part of that. That's tonight at 5 o'clock. Um, in just a moment, we're going to have a focused time of prayer. But before that, I do want to say thank you so much um, to all of you who prayed for and gave uh, toward our pastors' uh, fellowship that we had this past week, uh, we hosted ten uh, pastors, mostly from the River Valley. You had had one that was out of state, and so um, just grateful for all of you who prayed and and have get, given toward that. Um, I had several uh, just comments saying how much they enjoyed it, how much they appreciated it. Uh, one. Several, but they wanted me to pass on to you all, thank you. This is one of the comments that was made. said, thank you for investing in them as a pastor. And so they were extremely grateful for all that you've done to help make that possible. Uh, Lord willing, in a few months, we're going to try to host another one. Um, there, There were just some things that happened. I'm convinced this is more needed than it's ever been. And so really, really thankful to everyone who was able to help be a part of that, um, either through prayer, through giving, or or whatever the case may have been. So really appreciate everyone for that. Well, we want to take this portion of our service and do all that we can to try to, number one, focus on the Lord. And then secondly, we want to do all that we can to Ask the Lord that he may meet with us today. Um, I don't know about you, but I, I, I'm not all that interested in just meeting together, singing some songs, reading. Like, I want to meet with the Lord today. And what that may look like, I, I'm not real sure. Um, but I was reading this morning in, in the Psalms, and Psalm 42 says this. It says, The deer pants for the, brook, uh, the water brooks so pants my soul for you O oh god my soul thirst for god for the living god when shall i come and appear before god my tears have been my food day and night while they continually say to me where is your god well i just wonder if we would just be really intentional really focused this morning and asking the spirit of god one of the things i prayed for is we There were others here this morning, prayed over every seat, every part of this room this morning. Uh, One of the things I pray is that from the moment that every person arrived, that there'd be a sense, man, there's something different about today. There's a presence of God here today. And so we're going to have a focused time of prayer. And again, as we did last week, I'm going to encourage, I'm going to invite, and we pray in just a moment that there may be some of you that are willing and able um, to come and just humble ourselves before the Lord and join others here at the front front praying. I mean, God's been sending a wave of what seems like revival across our nation. And why not here? Why not Second Baptist? Why not the River Valley? We need it. We need it. And so... um, I pray that this morning that we have a desperation that the psalmist talks about. As the deer pants for water, so my soul pants for you, O oh God. And so if you will, if you'll bow your head, close your eyes, and some of you may be willing and able, would you come and join others here at the front? Just, to, just as a time to say, God, we, we're desperate for you. We want you. We need you this morning. Begin this way. Begin and ask God to show things in you that you maybe need to confess this morning. Things that you need to get right. Things that have distracted you. Would you pray and ask God to remove every form of distraction? Every detail that would distract you from from focusing on Him, be it thoughts, be it whatever it may be, that, that God would give us the ability to totally focus on Him. And would you pray that the Spirit of God would fall on this place? That we would be hungry and thirsty for more of Him. Would you pray that God would cultivate a fertile ground? That He may speak to us, He may move in us. God, you are good and there is none like you. God, I pray. God, would you meet with us today? And Spirit of God, you would come and invade this place. That you would work in a way that would only bring glory and honor to you, Lord Jesus. That, God, you would speak to my heart, that you would speak to every heart in this room, every heart that's joined us watching online, God, that you would speak directly to them. God, I pray that you would call us to yourself and that we would heed and answer that call. God, I pray that everything that is said and done, that it would bring honor and glory to the name of Jesus. Lord, you're good. And there is none like you. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I just want to say, as, as the team gets ready to lead us this morning, in a moment we're going to sing about the holiness of God. Man, the holiness of God is, is that God is set apart. And so as we sing about the holiness of God, man, I, I want you to be mindful of how holy he is and how holy we're not. So just be mindful as we sing unto him this morning. Stand as we sing. Oh <laughs> have your Bible, and I hope that you do, would you turn to Genesis chapter 3? Genesis chapter 3. I recently taught uh, through at least, um, I glazed over some of this uh, with our uh, college uh, ministry uh, on Wednesday night, just a couple weeks ago. Uh, Wednesday nights we have our collegiate worship service uh, from 8 to 9 o'clock, and this semester we're walking through some doctrines of the Bible um, and trying to deal with some pretty uh, weighty things as best we can. And, and so um, things such as doctrine of the Bible, uh, doctrine of God, um, uh, mankind, doctrine of man, where does man come from, and how does God created us to be, uh, creation um, is heaven and hell real? And, and maybe we're just, we're wading into uh, some biblical doctrine. And so recently I walked through kind of a quick survey of Genesis 1 through 11. But this morning, uh, since uh, this week is just finished up Nehemiah and praying about where, where the Lord would lead us. Uh, we have a revival meeting scheduled with Brother Ronnie Tullis beginning on April 2nd. Uh, we have put the 40 days of prayer guides out and available. They're, they're available to you. We're posting those online. We're sending them through email. Uh, please, please, please take note of those and be praying every one of those days. Uh, spend time praying through those things, praying for um, revival, praying for renewal with our church, praying for that week leading up to that time. That 40 days of prayer is going to lead us right up to um, the, the, the April 2nd there, um, we're also going to have some cottage prayer meetings. And so, um, Hosea says this, he says, break up your fallow ground, uh, in preparation for revival. What's the picture there? It's a, it's a cultivating picture of going, man, we got to break up the topsoil that way If God sends revival, man, we can receive the rain, we can receive it. And so we're asking the spirit of God to, to ready and prepare a heart, prepare the ground that way should God want it. Man, I'm, I'm praying that God sends revival before Brother Ronnie gets here. Because um, <clears throat> I know this, I, I love Brother Ronnie. You know I love Brother Ronnie. Uh, and I've been a lot of places with him. And I, I've traveled with him while he's preached. I've had him at, not only here, have had him in other churches, other places. <clears throat> I've yet to see him unload his truck and get a suitcase out called Revival and just open it up. Revival fell out. It's not happened. Um, and so because Brother Ronnie doesn't bring revival, the Spirit of God does. And so, I'm I'm urging you as much as I can, let us do all that we can um, to set ourselves to catch the wind of revival. And that happens primarily through prayer. Uh, And so, over the next several weeks, we're going to have some times where we focus on Sunday morning, focus on um, just trying to prepare the ground of our heart, trying to get ready, asking the Lord to do in us and through us. And again, my hope and prayer is that God does something uh, long before that even. Um, And so just going to encourage you in that way and encourage you uh, to be mindful. Begin inviting people. Begin inviting people. Get in that habit of inviting people to come to worship with you, to come and and be a part uh, and join you for a worship service, and especially as we lead up to revival. A lot of emphasis on inviting others to come. And so, uh, Genesis chapter three. I want to preach to you a message that I've titled uh, "God's First Invitation." God's first invitation. Um, the Bible begins essentially. I know it's in chapter three, but essentially, it begins with an invitation and it ends with an invitation. Um, and so, this morning, I want to preach to you on God's first invitation. If you find your place and you're willing and you're able, will you stand with me in the honor of the reading? Of the Word of God. We're going to read the first nine verses of chapter 3. We're going to deal with most of chapter 3, but um, I want to read up to this invitation. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? Let's pray. Precious Jesus, we love and adore you. We thank you for your word. I pray you teach us from your word. Help us to apply it to our lives. Um, God, help us to be more like you. and. God, I pray you call us to yourself. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So God's first invitation. The main idea of the text is this that God desires for us to be in right relationship with Him. That's why He invites us. That's why He invites, because the invitation is come and, and, and be in this right fellowship, be in this right relationship with me. And so then the question this morning that begs our, from our text, is God inviting you to himself today? Is God drawing you to himself today? Number one, yes, in terms of, of salvation, first and foremost, if you haven't trusted Jesus for salvation, I want to encourage you, I believe God is inviting you today to come and know him, to, to enter into a relationship with him. But then, also, as a part of that, or second to that, is it, for those of you that know Christ, most of us in this room probably have had that, that moment in which we've surrendered to Jesus for salvation. So then, now that you know you're in a relationship with him, man, is God drawing you back to himself? That sometimes, man, we, we, we get distracted by the things of the world. We get beat down. We get discouraged. We get away from the things of God, and we, we grow distant. We don't lose the relationship, but we grow distant in our fellowship with him. And this is what I want to encourage you this morning. I believe God may be inviting I know God, God is inviting you. man, Come back and get back in close fellowship with me. And so we're going to look at that this morning. Is God inviting you to himself today? Number one, God's invitation is extended to sinful people. God's invitation is extended to sinful people. Uh, Look at your Bible, just back up a chapter there and look at chapter 2, verses 16, 17, and 18. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. But of the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat. For in the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. And the Lord God says, It's not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. So what happens? God had created Adam. Um, and not going to get into all the details of the creation, but but God created Adam, and He gives a command that he 's not to eat of this tree right He gives specific instruction in verse uh, sixteen of every tree of the garden you may freely eat verse seventeen, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat for the day you eat of it, you shall surely die there 's the promise. so the command is don 't eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you do, you'll, you'll surely die. And so there's the, there's the command that God gives. And in verse 18, gives us the, uh, that he saw that it wasn't good for man to be alone, so he creates a helper compared to him, creates woman, uh, creates Eve. And so then, look at verse, uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 7. And so you get the details of them, uh, of, of Eve being created and everything. Uh, but then chapter 3, verse 1. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. Let me hit pause. Satan is really good at what he does. Okay? Scripture says he's the father of lies. Scripture says he uh, walks about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. I mean, the, the illustrations that we have of Satan in Scripture is he is created, so don't let me, let me, let me be very careful here. God created him. Any power he has is allowed by God. Um, he, he is not superior to God. He's not above God. He holds no candle to God in his power and authority, okay? He, he is totally under subjection. But let me say this, that... At the same time, that doesn't mean he's not good at what he does. He's crafty. He's cunning is is what the scripture says here. And so Adam and Eve had an explicit command. How long had it been? Probably not very long. Um, And we don't know if it's days or a few weeks, but it likely had not been a long time. There was some period of time, and the reason I believe that I'll show you in just a moment, because they had gotten into a habit. Uh, But nonetheless, there is here it is that the serpent... Um, and it, this is Satan embodied in this, and he is uh, this demonic activity in which he is being cunning. He is being crafty. He's trying to deceive. That's what he does. And so he says, um, here verse 3, he says, More cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? I don't have time to... there. Genesis 1-11 through is so rich, but let me say this. One of the ways that the enemy will come against you, he'll he'll try to get you to question the Word of God. This is what he does. Has God really said that? Are you sure that's what it says? And so, friend, I would just encourage you, this is why I tell you time, I mean, every Sunday, it's important for you to be in the Word of God. You need to know what the Word of God says because when you don't know what the Word of God says, the enemy comes against you and he says, man, is that really what God said? And he begins to question and raise doubt, cause doubt. Okay, verse two, and the woman said to the serpent, we may eat, uh, uh, the fruit of the tree of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree, which is in the midst of the garden, God has indeed said, you shall not eat it. Now she should have stopped right there, right? Because that's what they were told. That's what Adam was told. Now here's the deal. Adam and Eve, we're going to see they're both at fault. They both have sin. They both sin against God here. And, and I'm about to show you where Eve goes wrong initially, but here's the deal. She's going to go on, well, let's look at this. It says, you shall not eat, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Did you look back at chapter 2, 16 and 17? God never says that. <clears throat> he never says it. He says you shall not eat it, but he didn't tell him he shouldn't touch it. It's as important for you to know what the Word of God says and what the Word of God does not say. Uh, scripture condemns both taking away from the Word of God and adding to the Word of God. And so, listen, Eve is wrong here, but then the other side of that is going, we have to ask the question, we did, did Adam appropriately take his responsibilities as important as he should have? Did he over-communicate? Did he communicate the message in a wrong? We don't know. But we know in this moment that the enemy is crafty, he is cunning, he questions the word of God, and then here Eve responds and she does not respond accurately. She adds to it. Verse 4, then the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die. There he is, he's questioning it. He is outright going against what the Word of God says. If you don't know what the Word of God says, the enemy will come against you, and he'll cause you to question, cause you to doubt it. Is that really what it means? Is that really the context? Many cause doubt. And then he'll flat out contradict it. And you won't die. That's nonsense. That does make any sense. And he comes against them. Notice his reasoning, verse five: For God knows that the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open; you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. So, who's he blame here? He blames God. He, man, you, no way. That's not that. That won't happen. You know why God doesn't want you to do that? It won't be fun. It won't be enjoyable. I mean, you'll you know. I mean, and he it's, he paints God as this this. Um, wickedly jealous God that will somehow lose power or authority by, by Adam and Eve and what's happening here. But man, he, he is attacking what the word of God says and he's a ca- attacking the character of God. And friend, if you and I aren't careful, we'll be, be deceived and we'll be trapped into the same thing of going, man, that's not really what the word of God says. But God, the, the Word of God doesn't really condemn cohabitation. The Word of God doesn't really condemn uh, uh, man, man, these, these things of, of sexuality outside of what the Scripture says. That's not really what it says. And besides, I mean, he, he, man, he, he just doesn't want you to have any fun. I want you to enjoy it. He begins to question and doubt the Word of God. Verse 6. So when the woman saw, notice this, saw that her tree, the, the tree was good for food... There's lust of the eyes. First John uh, paints sin falling in three categories lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. And again, there's more here than I can preach. But there's the lust of the eyes, that it was pleasant to the eyes. Uh, There's been lust of the flesh, and the tree desirable to make one wise. Pride. She said, Man, if I eat this, I'm gonna be smart. I'm gonna be wise. She took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. And there's sin. They've sinned against a holy God. Now here's the thing. Man, sin enters the world right here. Verse 7. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, And they sewed fig leaves together made themselves coverings. So what happens? Up to this point, they've been naked and they didn't know any different. That's how they were brought into the world. And at that moment that they rebel against God, their eyes are open. And they know the full weight. They're experiencing the full weight of what's just taken place. And ultimately what has happened is they have sinned against God. And now there's division. Now there's separation. I'll show it to you in a moment. But now they're standing here. And what's the first thing they do? They go and they try to cover themselves. And it's a symbolic picture of what you and I do whenever we sin against God. We try to do what we can to try to make it right. We try to cover it up. We Try to take care of it ourselves. We try to right our wrongs. And so God's invitation is to sinful people. The Bible tells us in Isaiah 59, 1 and 2, says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not short that he cannot save, neither is his ear heavy that he cannot hear. But look at this, but your iniquities, your sin, have separated you from you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you. Look at this, that he shall not hear, that he will not hear. It does not say that he cannot hear. It says that he will not. That our sin separates us. It it removes us. It drives this division between us and God. Why? Because holy, holy, holy are you Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Why does it separate us? Because God is holy. And because of the holiness of God God cannot and will not dwell in the presence of sin. And so because of the holiness of God, when sin enters the world, it brings this division. So from the moment that you know the difference between right and wrong, the moment you know the difference between telling the truth and telling a lie, when you and I sinned against God, when you and I took something we knew we weren't supposed to take, when you and I lied when we knew we weren't supposed to lie, it caused a division at that moment where you were separated from Almighty God. And that's what happens in this moment, in the garden, the darkest day of human history in the sense of sin entering the world happened right then. Now let me hit pause. Now I'm talking about the invitation extended to sinful people. Why do I need to bring that up? Because here's the deal. The only invitation that can be extended is to sinful people. Because that's the only kind of people there are. And now some people want to have this debate. Are we sinful because we are sinners or do we sin because we're sinful people? Because at this moment in the condemnation, the the seed of man passes down the sin nature to every generation. This is why Jesus didn't have an earthly father because had he had an earthly father, he would have had a sin nature. But he did not have an earthly father. He didn't have a sin nature. He wasn't a sinner. He was sinless. And he went to the cross and died for me and for you. And so here's the deal that then you and I, every one of us, we are born with a sin nature because everybody in this room has an earthly father. The seed was passed down. But what shows us here is Adam and Eve did not have a sin nature like you and I did. But it still shows us even without a sin nature, we would still choose and rebel against God. So the point is moot. It's useless. You and I choose wrong. You and I sin against God. And so the invitation is to sinful people. Ephesians Ephesians 2, uh, 1 and 2 says, And you he made alive. Look at this. Who were dead in trespasses and sins in which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit now works in the sons of disobedience. He goes on to talk about how we went from dead in our trespasses to conveyed in the kingdom of light, to to transformed. There's a transformation that takes place. But you and I have to understand, apart from God, we are sinful people, and our sin separates us from God. It separates us from God, listen, in terms of us needing salvation, but then once we become a child of God, listen, He takes and He saves us, draws us to Himself, and He does away with all past, present, and future sin in terms of condemnation from eternity past, or or from from our past and and into the future. And so it, it does away with the condemnation But even still, from the moment I was saved, I still struggle at times and I sin against God. And it does not break my relationship with God, but what does it do? It hinders my fellowship with God. Picture this. You're raising your kids and they had chores, they had responsibilities or whatever it is, or, or maybe they're told to be home at a certain time and they're told not to do such and such. Whenever they broke your rules... Broke what they were supposed to do. What happened? Did they stop becoming your son or your daughter? Absolutely not. That's nonsense. But now, the fellowship was hindered, right? Something about that belt doesn't exactly foster a lot of Hugging and hanging out and just spending time together. Boy, they're just fired up. Now they want a little bit of separation. You need some separation, right? Um, ain't nobody testifying this morning. <laughs> Y'all yeah. Yeah, know I'm talking right, all right? So, uh, but, but what happened? It hinders that fellowship. Now, there's some reconciliation that takes place and there's a bond that's reunited, recreated. Same thing. Man, right now, some of you, Maybe you haven't been living the way God wants you to. Man, there's just some things. And this fellowship is hindered. And you need to confess some things. You need to get some things right and draw back near to the Father. Draw back close to Him. So number one, God's invitation is to sinful people. Number two, God's invitation requires a response it requires a response notice verse 8 and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day if you mark underline mark underline circle cool and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden here's a couple things that are fascinating he talks about the walking in the cool of the day Um, That word cool is not the typical word to denote a time of day. It's not the typical word that would have been used. It also can mean spirit. And so I had a Hebrew professor that suggested this may even be an idea of going in. It's a both and a spiritual part of the day, a time in which they were used to walking with the Lord. I believe what the scripture is indicating here. Now, whether it's denoting a specific time or not, we don't know. But we know this because based on their reaction, they knew what it sounded like for God walking through the garden. There was an anticipation. There was a knowledge of this. So up until this point, there had been some point in time in which they were accustomed to walking with the the Lord through the garden. But here it is, sin has now entered the world. God shows up for His daily time walking with Adam and Eve and spending time in fellowship with them. But what has happened, they have tried to cover themselves and they are hiding and trying to get away from spending time with God. That's exactly what sin does. Sin causes you not, not to want to spend time in the Word. Sin causes you not to want to spend time in prayer. Sin causes you to be annoyed by, by a time of worship. Sin causes you to not be a, want to be a part of the fellowship and be a part of, of being a church. Sin causes you to want to separate from the things that we know that we need and long for. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of God among the trees of the garden, which is hilarious, right? Why is it hilarious? Because if you read just a few chapters ago, God said, let there be light, and there was light. God said, let there be water and land, and there was land. God said, let there be beasts, and there was beasts. He's pretty good at hide and seek. Like, I mean, he knows, right? I mean, he's not, he's not deceived like, oh, no, where did they go? I lost my people. <laughs> They're gone. <laughs> like, it, it, Anyway, uh, maybe you don't read it in sense of humor, I do. But verse 9, then the Lord God called to Adam and Eve and said, where are you? Again, hit pause, think about this. Did he know where they were? Yes. He knew where they were, right? He's not confused. Why would he ask where they are? I'm fully convinced of this. Listen, lean in closely. He wanted them to acknowledge where they were. He didn't need to know where they were. He he already knew. Did God already know, know that they sinned? Did God already know that they're hiding themselves? Did God already know that they're trying to cover up their sin? Did God already... He knew. And so the invitation is not for the sake of God. It's for the sake of us. Where are you? Hey, can I just hit pause this morning? Some of you know, don't know Christ, and it may be that God's saying, where are you this morning? He knows right where you're at. He knows what's happening in your life. Some of you need to respond. You need to repent and believe on Jesus. But can I say to you, some of you who know Christ, it may be in a different way, not for salvation, but, re- but for restored fellowship. Maybe some of you, God is saying, man, where are you? And it's not that he doesn't know where you're at. It's him going, man, I want you back in a close fellowship with me. He goes on, verse 10. So he said, I heard your voice, talking about Adam, in the garden. And look at this, I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. Sin causes you. To have all sorts of feelings and perception about God that aren't true and aren't real. Sin causes you to have feelings that are not a true picture of reality. Causes you to doubt. Causes you to be afraid. Verse 11, and he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you that you should not eat? So hit pause again. Here he is. He's asked, where are you? Who told you that you were naked, afraid, and did you eat? Did he know all of those things? He knew the answers to every one of those, okay? Jesus has the cheat code. He he knows. So what's the deal? He's wanting them to acknowledge their sin. He's giving them an opportunity to confess this and turn from it and acknowledge it. And so, here's good old Adam. Man, you feel good about yourselves because you... You know, you watch the interaction with Satan and, and Eve and think, yeah, Adam wouldn't have done that. Well, he did eat of it, so there you go. But now here, here's verse 12. Here's your chance, okay? Then the man said, the woman whom you gave me. a boy. Yeah. That, that's a way out of this thing. Number one, blame the woman, okay? Some of you guys are ducking your head. I see you. I got you. Ain't your first time, right? Easy, wives, don't be jabbing your husbands right now, right? You coming, you're in the next... (laughs) But he says, the woman, then what's he do? The woman you gave me. Hmm. He may have just stopped at woman. (laughs) He might have lived to tell about that one, but the woman whom you gave me, so now he's transferred to blame to God, right? Isn't that what sin does? Some of you living in your sin right now, you're blaming everything except for taking accountability. Well, the culture says it's okay. So-and-so says it's okay. Is it really that big a deal? Has God indeed said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me of the tree and I ate. And the Lord God said to the woman, what is this that you have done? The woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. So she blames the enemy. Again, neither one, have, both of them have opportunity. Neither one take accountability and go, God, I was wrong. I disobeyed what you told us to do, and I was wrong. Right? Sometimes our kids, we ask them what happened. Man, they, they create excuses. And, and you're just sitting there listening to them, and it feels like they have a shovel in their hand, right? And they're just digging. And you're just inside, you're letting them talk, because that's what good parents do, right? You're letting them just keep on. But inside, there's something in you go, would you just lay the shovel down and go, I'm wrong? We both know it, like we already know, but just admit it. And that's what's happening here. Man, they're just, they got the shovel, and they're throwing dirt over and just digging themselves. digging. And And all that the Lord is doing is saying, here's the invitation to admit you're wrong. And they're working themselves to death, trying to cover this up. And friend, he's just inviting us. Matthew 11, 28, 29 says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden. I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon me and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Some of you this morning, we're have an intentional time of invitation in just a few moments. Some of you are worn out, you're struggling, you're you're hurting, or whatever the case is. And part of it is, and this is not true for everybody, but part of it is some of us have a shovel that we just haven't been willing to lay down yet. And we're blaming woman, we're blaming man, we're blaming God, we're blaming Satan, and we're just not saying, God, I'm I'm wrong. Forgive me. And for those of us that don't know Christ, here's the response. Here's the invitation with the response. It requires a response. And and here's the thing. The only way for God to acknowledge this, the only way for God to deal with this is they had to take... it, It requires a response. And for those that don't know Christ, that's what Romans 10, 9, 10, and 13 are. It's a response to God's invitation that he's provided salvation for us. It says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved with the heart man believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And verse 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For those that don't know Christ, here's what it is, going, God, I'm laying down everything. And I've sinned against you, and I've been separated from you. You've done all that it takes to be saved through your son Jesus, and here I am. I need that. I need you. I need to be saved. And so, invitation is for sinful people. The invitation requires a response. And number three, God's invitation is with provision. Is with provision. There's cursing that takes place. God sets curses on the serpent and curses that are passed down to the woman, curses that are passed down to the man. Skip on down to verse 21. also for adam and his wife lord god made tunics of skin and clothed them why were the the leaves and the things that were not enough why why was it insufficient well it's because the bible says without the shedding of blood there's no remission there's no forgiveness of sin and so what god is doing here is he is demonstrating them to them this reality that they took these leaves, tried to sew them together, and tried to make their own covering. But God went out, Scripture says, and he, he provides skins for them. The only way that happens is this animal lost its life, death, for the first time. And by the way, God says, and the day you eat of it, you shall surely die. What happened? They didn't die that day, did they? No, they didn't die physically, but they died spiritually. Because your sin causes spiritual death and it separates you from Almighty God. And so he goes on. Verse 22. Then the Lord God said, Behold, the, uh, the man has become like one of us. Another way, there's a picture of the Trinity. To know good and evil and now, lest he uh, put out his hand and take also the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to to till the ground from which he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed cherubim in the east gate of the garden and a flaming sword which turned away every way to guard the way to the tree of life. Why does he do this? Because God knew that the only way for full redemption to take place is one day Adam and Eve are going to have to die. That way they can be redeemed. And what happens here is he knows that if they eat of the tree of life now, they'll be separated from him. There there won't be this full picture of total redemption that needs to take place. And so it's out of love that God cast them out of the garden, which was the perfect place and which would have been taken care of. Sin entered the world and it, and it, it disrupted everything. It destroyed everything in the way that God had created and intended it to be. So without the shedding of blood, there's no remission. And God provides; it's this provision of this animal sacrifice to atone for the sins of Adam and Eve um, in a physical way, pointing to spiritually one day. Because Genesis three fifteen points to the first; it's the first messianic prophecy that Jesus is coming in Genesis three fifteen. And what he's doing is he is setting the stage, saying Jesus is coming one day. Here's a physical sacrifice of what's going to happen spiritually. I am sacrificing. Now we don't know what it was. It was skinning an animal. Likely it was a lamb. Sacrificing, providing this covering, providing this atonement, this covering. One day, pointing that Jesus would be sacrificed, providing an atoning covering for your sin. And so, the provision that God gives to all of us is John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, that whosoever believes in Him shall have everlasting life. Friend, heaven—excuse me, friend—hell was not created for you and I. It was created for Satan and his demons. Sin causes us to miss heaven and spend eternity in hell. But God provided for us through his son Jesus that you and I could have a saving relationship with him and you could know that you have a relationship. And how do we receive that gift? How do we receive that provision? Romans 10, 9, 10, and 13. Confess with your mouth, believe in the Lord. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Two things it takes to be saved. Repent. Turn from your sin and believe in Jesus. Acts 20, 21. Repent and believe. And there may be some of you going, Pastor, I need to be saved. I need to do that. There's going to be an opportunity in a moment. But I walk in this morning fully convinced of this. As we were getting ready to sing, all I could think about is come unto me. Come unto me. Come unto me. There may be some of us this morning that know that you know that you've surrendered your heart and life to Jesus and you've been saved. And you're worn out, you're broken down, you're struggling, you're hurting, whatever it may be. Maybe, maybe you're just in active rebellion against God and you need to get back right with Him. God's invitation is extended to you. Come unto me. There's no other place where you can run where you'll find rest. There's no other place where you run where you find forgiveness. There's no other place to run in which you can man just surrender everything to Him and be renewed and be strengthened. It's painful and it hurts and it's hard. But friend, I'm telling you, this is what revival is. Revival is when you and I get over the pain of seeking God's forgiveness. The pain of of admitting that we're wrong and going, God, I don't know, I don't care what that is. The, The cost is too great. And I'm just coming back to you. I'm returning to you. That's the invitation this morning. And so if you will, I just want you to bow your head and close your eyes for a moment. And I'm going to just ask you for some vulnerability this morning. As you're praying for one another and praying for this time, here's what I'd ask you to do just in a moment. You just, just right now, just pray that the Spirit of God would have his way. Not my way, not your way but that the Spirit of God would have His way. And we're going to have a little bit of an extended invitation here. And my heart and my passion is you're just obedient to Him and nobody else, including me. You are absolutely and explicitly obedient to Him. But I just believe with all my heart there's some people in our church today that need some people to pray for them. Need somebody to come alongside and and just be fervent in prayer. But there may be some here that don't yet know Christ. That you, man, God spoke to your heart and you said, man, Pastor, I need to be saved today. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. Pray right now where you're at and ask God to save you. Ask God to forgive you of your sins and be the boss of your life. You may pray something like this. Say, dear God, I know that I'm a sinner. Jesus, come into my heart. Wash away my sin. Be the boss of my life. Save me, Lord Jesus. As you remain in the attitude of prayer, if you prayed that right now, here's what I want you to do. There's a card in the pew back in front of you. I want you to take that out right now. Write your name on it and check that you prayed to receive Christ today. Man, if it means that it's that important to you, that desperate for you, man, I want to encourage you to do that. But for the rest of us, some of you that say, man, pastor, I need somebody to pray for me today. You don't have to tell anybody what's happening. You don't to tell anybody why you need prayer. But if that's you, would you just slip your hand up in the air and say, Brother Chris, I, I need somebody to pray for me today. Amen. 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 Here's what I'm going to ask you to do. And I know this takes some vulnerability. You can keep your eyes closed. and if, if that's you, if you'd say, Brother Chris, I need somebody to pray for me, would you just stand right where you're at? And I know it, it, it's vulnerable and it's difficult. I'm gonna ask you to do something else. And I know this is really uncomfortable. I'm gonna ask those of you that are standing, will you come to the come to the front here? Some of you aren't physically able to kneel down. Maybe you just want to come sit on the front pew, or you want to, if you can, I want you to kneel because I'm gonna ask somebody to come pray for you. And maybe you just stand close, that's easier for you. Uh, but you can just kind of spread out a little bit. If you're able to kneel, kneel. If you can't, that's all right. If you need to sit on the front pew, you sit on the front pew. And you just, you just begin to pray. I'm going to ask some of our church family. Man, God's got you here for a reason. I need at least one somebody to come pray for every person that's down here. I know it's uncomfortable. You don't know what's going on in your life. You may not even know some of them. I'm going to ask you to come. Kneel beside them, stand beside them, sit beside them. I'm going to ask you to pray out loud over them. You can do it quietly. There's still a few others. Somebody come and, and, and be willing to pray. Somebody you don't even know. Come on, guys. Man, this is the church. This is what the church does. Come pray. you're still seated, you just, man, just be praying for these people. I know some are not physically able to come up here and pray. Man, I I hope that you're crying out. No idea what's going on. No idea what's happening in their lives, but God knows. I want to encourage you. Don't run off. I want you to hang out just for a moment. Here's what I want you to do. When they finish, those of you that said, man, I need prayer today. I want to ask you to lean over to the person next to you and you that just prayed for you. I want you to pray for them. Just take a moment, you have no idea who they are or what's happening. Just would you just in a moment pray for that person? In heaven, you're good, God. And to think that you would invite us to yourself, that God, you would say, Come unto me. And God, I, I have no idea the burdens, the struggles, the pains, the heartaches. Physical struggles, the spiritual ones, the emotional ones—God, no idea what's happening and what's going on in, in in so many lives that are among our church family today. But God, your word promises that if we bring these things, that your yoke is easy and your burden is light. God, that there's this transformation that takes place. That God, you you take from us and you give to us what is easy. And so, God, I pray as we leave this altar, leave this moment, God, that there would be this, this transformation that takes place, God, where you've, you've taken the pain, you've taken the heartache and the struggle, and God, that, that folks would leave as they walk back, there would be a sense of freedom, a sense of renewal, a sense of strength, God, that they didn't have when they came down this morning, when they stumbled down, when they drugged down this morning, God, that there would be, uh, God, a freedom. And a renewal that takes place. And God, I pray that we'll be careful to give you the glory and honor that you do. God, I pray your your word says bear one another's burdens. So God, I pray as a church family, we've come this morning, God, we're willing to carry some of these burdens together. We're willing to to take on some of this load, some of the pain and the heartache and those struggles and walk together, God. God, I pray you give us grace to get over ourselves and be desperate for you. God, help us to see and know and love one another. God, and I pray for those that, God, are, God, maybe just whatever reason not able to come forward this morning, God, I pray you'd meet them right where they're at. God, that you would give them strength, you would renew them, you'd give them energy and God, God, minister to them in a way that only you can. Lord, thank you. Thank you for your grace and mercy. Thank you for calling us to yourself. Holy, holy, holy are You, Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. In Jesus' name, amen. Continue praying for one another. Continue praying that God would work in our church, that God would work in the river valley. Man, continue praying that God will send a revival, awakening, I don't care what you want to call it, across Arkansas Tech, in our community, in our state, and beyond. So I want to encourage you to be praying for one another. Let me say this. If you prayed earlier and said, man, I asked Jesus to save me. I want to encourage you to fill that card out. I'll stand in the back door in a few minutes. You come. Say, Pastor, hey, I prayed and asked Jesus to save me today. Man, I want to talk to you. I want to encourage you. I want to, I want to be a source of encouragement to you about that, okay? I'm going to ask some of our men if you would get ready to help take up um, our offering as we prepare to dismiss. And... um friend I'll just tell you this that um, I want to encourage you to get to a place where giving is an opportunity, not an obligation um, and we we, want, we, ought, we need to give out of obedience don't don't misunderstand there's sometimes we need to do things even when we don't feel like it or we don't fully understand um, and and I believe God honors that obedience, yet at the same time I want to encourage you. Man, God loves a cheerful giver. It's an opportunity to give unto the Lord um, and, and worship him through our giving. And so, hey, I hope you'll be back with us tonight at five o'clock. Uh, pay attention to your bulletin as the activities for the next week. There's several different opportunities. Uh, be praying for one another. Uh, love, encourage one another. Uh, let's stand together. Um, and I want you to know, uh, as your pastor, man, I, I love you in the Lord and thank God for you. So let me, let me pray. Jesus, you're good, and we love and adore you. I pray, God, um, thank you, God. You heard our prayers, and you met with us today. God, I pray that we wouldn't leave uh, just content for one brief moment. We'll even leave hungry for more of you. Um, Go before us and behind us. Help us to be a witness for you. Uh, Lord, I pray you bless the offering for your glory and namesake. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Here I come to
1: worship. Here I come to worship.